0: All right, turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter number 6. There's two ways. This isn't related to the sermon just today. There's two ways to uh, a preacher can handle this. There's only one right way. We well, can get down about it. Or we can just get down. So Mark chapter number 6 is kind of applicable to a lot of things today. Not just in my life, but, you know, in, in coming days and things that I think that we're facing. It's, uh, I, think, I think as a country, you know, as we celebrate July 4th, I think we've got a rough road ahead of us. I don't, there's nothing in place that's changing the trajectory of what's going on other than, you know, we've had some victories. I'm glad we had a victory for life. You know, but now there's a straight up battle of good and evil. God against Satan. And Satan's the God of this world. Our God's the God of the universe. Our God's the God of creation. Our God is a mighty God. And regardless of what goes on, And I've heard Dr. Peacock, you know. uh, Brother Brian Donovan, he's about the most down. But, uh, you know, America's not in the Bible. God has given us grace. God has given us a country. I'm not trying to be down. I'm not trying to, you know, but there's things going on. And I'll tell you this, too, just between us. I'll tell you this, too. There has been a revival... Before every mass tragedy has happened in this country, I, let me ex- give you an example. There was the Great Awakening that took place, and you had the Revolutionary War, if I'm not mistaken. Before, before World War I, you know, you had a revival that took place. Before the Civil War, you had a revival that took place, you know, in World War II. I mean, you had Billy Sunday revivals, um, you know, or uh, people getting saved. Um, if you look back in history, there's always been a revival before war, before a time of famine, before things like that. And it's not to punish the revival, but it's preparing a people, drawing close to God to go through that storm. And this morning, I'm going, that's a nice segue. This morning, I'm going to be preaching on life storms. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter number six. When I think about storms now, you know, I grew up in Texas City. And uh, my grandfather was a shrimper his whole life. My great-grandfather, he was a, he was a I call it a bell helmet diver. You remember the old bell helmet, you know, with the windows on it and all that. I don't know exactly what it looked like. Never got any pictures. But uh, my grandfather, when he retired, you know, he didn't have much. You, you follow me, Miss Johnny? My uh, grandfather, when he retired, he didn't have much. He, he lived out on the dike. He had a little travel trailer, and it was parked there by Rolettes. If, if you remember going on the dike, you probably saw a little trailer sitting by the boat ramp. That was my grandfather's little tourist camper, and he lived there. When I was about 15 years old, I rode out there on my bike from my dad's. My dad lived up on 18th Avenue, and I rode down this little seawall there in Texas City and, you know, go out to visit my grandfather. This is all free stuff here. It's ain't even, we're, we're getting to the message, but I just wanted to give you all a little extra background because we could. Are y'all buckled in? Because if you got to go to lunch or something, you better let me know right now. But uh, I ride down there, and, and uh, my grandfather helped me get a job down there. I put an application on the back of a paper bag. <laughs> but he did work for Dorothy and Curl, and she let, uh, Dorothy Rollett, she let him stay there. And uh, I, uh, I worked down there from the time I was probably 15. Until I graduated, and even when I came home on leave, I I worked a shift out there. <laughs> kind of, but uh. So being out there on the water, you know, I I really love it. It's one of the reasons I joined the Navy. But uh, I remember one morning I was working, and they owned Rilets and Curls. Curls a little further down. I love talking about this. You go out there now, there's nothing. I've seen the picture of curls, that last moment before it washed away with all the water during Ike. You know, and you see it just up under, you see it lifting up, that picture, that last one, you know. And uh, it's all gone. I can't even, one time I came close to identifying because there was a big rock in front of curls, you know. But that was about all that's left. I think that's not even there now. It was hard, it's hard to identify but uh working at curls there, you know, you're over the water and our stock room was in the back and we had a window and we could look out over the pier, you know, and uh the storms would come up suddenly. I mean, out on the dike it was, it, you know, out here you see a little rain, you see the clouds coming or whatnot, but out on the dike on the water there, it was a little different. It was it was kind of different, but you everything was sunny, the day's going great, people are going fishing and things like that, and you look out that front door, and all of a sudden you see these little dirt devils spinning around in the parking lot, you know, because we didn't have a paved parking lot. You see those rocks kind of twirling out there, and then that sky would turn red, and it'd start to get dark, and you look out at that You'd look out at that pier, you'd look out at the people, it's like, you better get in. And you better get in now. I've seen, I've seen storms, you know, I've, I've seen where Greg had to get his truck and pull a boat out of the water that had, they had left tied up to the pier, tore up the pier. And it was flipped upside down and helped him pull it out of the water, you know, and, uh, he wasn't too happy about them tearing up his pier. But there was one morning, and I'd get there at five o'clock and work till one on the morning shift, but there was one morning I came in, and uh, it was, that storm had kicked up like that, kinda quick, you know, and it was still dark. And I went in the back for something into the stock room, and I looked out there, and there was a boat. And it was up under the pier, like this. You know, just. It was halfway up under the pier, and you see this boat just moving around under there, and the waves are kind of kicking up. And I recognized the boat, and I I knew him from down at Rylettes, and he was one of the shrimpers. He didn't have the big shrimp boat like everybody else. He was one of the outboard shrimpers, was what we called them. You know, they had their outboard boat, and they had the rigs on the back and all that, and they'd drop it out there, and he had some kind of winch or something, or he pulled in by hand, I don't know. He must have looked like Popeye, but that, uh, that boat's out there, and I see it, and it's like, oh, that's, oh, I think it was LaPierre. I can't remember his last name, but I knew he was Cajun. I knew he was tough, you know, and it's like, well, he must have tied his boat up. He'll come back for it or something. I go back up front, and I do my thing, and I'm going through setting things up, pulling the cooler, whatever I had to do in the morning. And I go back out there a little later because we don't have customers. And I go back into the stock room and I look out there. and Well, that boat's still there. I talk to the person I'm working with. And uh, I mention the boat. And she said, really? He's, he's still there? And he needs to get that out of there before it tears it up like that other one did. Uh, go back in the stock room and look down there. I look closer at the boat. And the sun's come up a little bit now. And I look down there and I see a figure under the pier. And I see a man holding on to the pier with his feet in a boat. And then waves are kicking and he's just hanging on for dear life. You know, I wasn't real quick back in those days. I remember watching a windsurfer one day and he was going back and forth between the little Snake Island thing and the and the uh shore, you know, and he going back and forth. I said, Man, that guy likes to windsurf, you know. Two hours. Well, finally, someone had called rescue, and he's laying. Next thing I know, he's laying on the pier. He's exhausted because he couldn't get back to shore. (laughs) So I wasn't too quick on the uptake, you know. And uh, I see him down there, and I see him holding that boat, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know. And he's hanging on for dear life. He's in the storm, you know. he's, He's under the pier trying to stay dry, but he's in the storm, and it's just bucking him and kicking him, and he's holding on for dear life. For me, it was nothing. I'm in the I'm in the building, you know. Back then, I kind of liked to watch the storms, you know. Now at the plant, <laughs> I'm not as keen on them, you know. You got to stop work. You gotta you gotta get out of it. Something bad's gonna happen. But uh, I go down there and I help him, you know. And I'm like, "You all right?" And he's, "Yeah." He was tough. And he said, can you just hold the boat for me for a minute? And I, I, I leaned over, you know, with my feet and kind of held the boat for him. And he scrambled to the back, started up the motor, and pulled away. <laughs> Which was the best thing he could have done was get away from it. There wasn't no bringing it in right then. And he went out there and rode it out. But, you know, it, there's a lot of times somebody might be going through a storm, and you can kind of see from the outside you know, but you, you don't realize what they're going through. For me, I'm up in a window, I'm looking out, and I see the boat going. For him, he's down there in the storm, and he's holding on for dear life. And it uh, just works out that way. You can see the wind and the rain, and you see people out in it, but you don't know what battle they're fighting. I remember, just by way of another illustration to kick this off, me and Didi, You know in Georgia they race a lot you know we've got tracks out here right but she took me to one of the race tracks down in Savannah we're sitting up there in the stand well I've watched days of thunder and I've watched races and things like that you know but it was really neat getting to see the cars up close they were amateur cars you know old junkers that they you know they were racing and everything and we're watching they go around the back of the track and I see one of the cars flip over you know it gets bumped and it flips over the back edge I'm like, oh, cool, you know? And then I hear a woman over here with two kids. And I hear the woman, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then I realize that's her husband in that car, and we don't really know what went on in that car, you know? Now, he got out all right, if you're wondering. But it made me look at Rex a lot different. And especially after what happened to Del Earnhardt, you know. And uh, what doesn't look like much, be a lot to somebody. So today we're going to look at a storm that the disciples were in. Look at, uh, look at verse number 45, Mark chapter 6. And keep in mind, this is after the feeding of the 5,000. Where they took up the 12 baskets, verse number 43, full of fragments and of the fishes, and they did eat of the loaves. They that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. So there's a great miracle that takes place right before this. So, verse 45, and straightway he, that's Jesus Christ, constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. And the book of John tells us that, They were afraid. And uh, it says, But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. They thought he was a ghost. And saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask you to be with us this morning, Lord. I ask that this message go even further than here, Lord. I ask that it could be a help to someone in time of need. I ask that it could be a help to someone in a storm, Lord. I just ask that it would go on. God, I just pray that you be with us this morning, that you be with our church family. Lord, that you keep them safe. I ask that you'd be with my stepmom as she goes through her trial. And God, I just pray. I just Thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for your grace in the storms, Lord. I thank you for your deliverance in storms, Lord, and your, your prayers. We just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in John chapter 6, verse 18, it says, And the sea rose by reason of the great wind that blew. And so when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drying Drawing nigh to the ship, and they were afraid. But I would just want to look at a few things about this. Well, if, they, if Jesus has commanded them to, he, he told them to go on over. He didn't tell them how He was going to get to them. But it's after the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, and and uh, Jesus tells them to go on over, and they're in God's will right there. They're in Jesus's will. He's told them to go over, and He stays and. He gets everyone away and he goes up into a mountain apart to pray. They were, I want to see a couple things about this. Number one, we had the captain of the ship and then we had the crew. But the captain of the ship, that was Jesus Christ, he was alone up in the mountain in prayer. We see a picture here just, just by way of illustration. We see for us a picture of Of prayer. We see Jesus being God's son that needed time to prayer, that set aside a place, and he had a purpose for prayer. He goes up in the mountain. We see a mountain in the Bible is often related to getting closer to God whenever we see mountains in the Bible. We see Moses on the mountainside and see the burning bush in the wilderness on Mount Sinai and with God receiving the law. Anytime you're up on a mountain. We see Abraham on the mountain willing to sacrifice his only son Isaac and we see Jesus on the Mount of Temptation fasting and praying at the start of his ministry and we see Jesus and the apostles on the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah and Moses. And I just want to ask a question. Have you set aside a place? You know, the the disciples get out there on the water. They're in God's will. They begin rowing over to the other side. And for the disciples that are in the boat, I told you I had to recalibrate. For the disciples that are in the boat, this is nothing new to them. This is another day. We have Peter. We have James and John. They've all worked on the water. They've all been on the water before. This is nothing to them. This is something they step out and it comes natural to them. You remember when Peter fell away, when, when Peter had his time where he, he denied Jesus Christ, he said, I would never deny you. But he reaches that point and he's confused and he's, he's worried about what he's done and he's worried, will Jesus even take me back? And all he knows to do is go back to what he's been doing. And what he was doing was working on the water. He said, I go fishing. So they were in their element when we look at the disciples, they were in their element on the water. Let me tell you something. Storms will come up on you no matter where you are. You may think you're in control. You may think that you got things going right. You may think, I'm in God's will. God has sent me here. I have the word from God and as I'm rowing out and God's... (laughs) You see that? Those dirt devils in the parking lot. You see that red sky start to drop down and you see the storm start to fall on you and those men are in the boat and they're rowing and you know my dad my grandfather being a shrimper and my dad when he was growing up he worked on the boat a lot my dad told me about he didn't quite fit in with the other shrimpers i don't know if y'all know shrimpers they're not college graduates, most of them. Might not have the best manners. A lot of them got the best heart. Might not have the best manners. Some of them are just mean. But you know, my dad, he wasn't quite part of that group. But work, he would work my grandfather's boat and he would get out there. And you, know, you learn as you go out there where the good shrimp are. And you learn, well, I'll go over here on this day. I had a good day here. And you go over here, and it's about like anything. It's like mining for gold, or it's like doing anything. You learn where the best spots are. And my dad told me the story one time. He went out to the hole where the shrimp were. The other shrimpers come around, and they started circling him, and they kind of pushed him out of that area. He didn't fit into their crowd, right? And so they got the hole for themselves. Well, it turns out when they pushed my dad away, he got into the best hole he's ever had. <laughs> I only say that to say, these men, they're on the water. They know the fish are over here. They know the rough spots. They know what the storms look like when they're coming. They've been in storms before. And here they, on the water. they are on the water, and they're rowing, and they're, they're doing fine. And they're captain. Is on the shore. Jesus is sitting up on the mountain. They're like, well, we've got this. And this isn't the first storm that they've been in. It's just the first storm they were in, Jesus was still in the boat. Do you remember that one? Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. And they, they call out to him when the storm gets boisterous. And they say, Master, care us not that we perish? And he sat up and he said, oh, ye little of little faith. And he calmed the storm. And then they were amazed that even the winds did obey him. So they're in this storm and it starts to get dark and they're rowing and the last word they got from Jesus was to get to the other side. You know, there's times in your life when you're not going to have another word except the one that you got in the beginning. Let me tell you something. God calls you to preach, God calls you to teach, God calls you to do something. You may have to work off of that call and just do what you know to do. You may not hear, you know, there's, there's not a map that's set out for you every day. There's times when doubts kick in, when you say, did that really happen? I imagine as they got out in that storm and they began to row, and they go 20, 30 furlongs, that water and that wind, that wind starts to blow against them as they're rowing. You know how frustrating that is? I remember one time when I was in the Navy and we were in, what was it, Antigua? We were, we uh, checked out or rented snorkeling gear. We get out there, you know, me and the guys, and we're out there quite a ways, and one guy's flipper kind of broke, and uh, another guy's mask or my mask was letting water in that's a little frustrating when you're snorkeling so I said well I'm going to go back and get another mask number one I didn't realize how far out we'd gotten and number two my friend my buddy whose flipper had broken he said well take this back for me and give me your good one I get out there in that water. Remember, I'm talking about the disciples rowing. And they're, they're just rowing. They're doing what they know to do, they're doing what Jesus told them. I'm out there on that water and I'm swimming back to shore, no big deal. I'm carrying one flipper that just kind of catches the water and slows you up. I got a mask that's letting water in the snorkel, and I'm swimming. And there's one guy on the shore that didn't come out with us. He was a big fellow, but he sat up there on the rocks and he saw me swimming in. And as I swam, it felt like I was going further out. It felt like I couldn't wasn't quite getting to shore. You know, it felt like it was taking longer than it should. And when you're out there in the water, that's a frustrating thing because you know you only got so much in you. This wasn't life threatening, but you know it shows you. And sometimes you're rowing, and you don't seem to be making any progress. Sometimes you're in that storm, and you're just pushing. And you don't seem to be making any progress. The winds were boisterous. He had sent them away and departed into a mountain of prey. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. So there they were, away from the master, away from Jesus. They'd been in this storm before, but Jesus was right in the boat with them. And that's an interesting thing too. You know, you get saved, you're walking closer to God sometimes, and it seems like ever. Amen. There's times when you're up on the mountain with Jesus, and He's in the boat with you, and you're going through the storm, and you, 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 He's right there. It's a little scary, and you say, "Master, care." It's not that I perish, and He sits up and He calms the wind and the waves. Oh, ye little faith! But then there's other times. Let me tell you, when you get through, when you get to life, and you start living, I've been through that storm before. I know what this is like. I, I know what the storm's like. Jesus calmed it. But then you remember, Jesus is up in the mountain, and you seem to be in this boat by yourself. He wasn't there for them to call out to well let me tell you something. This next verse, verse 48, says, and he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. Jesus is up in the mountain and they're out there in the midst of the sea. They're in the middle of the storm. The wind's just blowing that rain sideways. It's coming in over the transom. The waters are just bucking up. You know, just holding on those waters smack you. You ever been out there like that? Where you get beat around? Man, I remember being inside of the the USS Ainsworth, one of my first cruises, and it was the biggest storm, one of the biggest storms that Ainsworth had been in. Well, at least as far as our current crew. I remember up in Combat Information Central, one of the officers walking around disgusted us with a bag on his hip so he could stay on watch. You know, that was like the last time I ever ate French toast. <laughs> they had French toast that morning, I had some, and then I didn't have it anymore. I didn't even get the key for it I had that morning. I remember making it up to the front there, and our birthing area was there toward the bow, and I remember getting up, by, there was a water fountain, there's a passage, just a little short passage and you see the door through there. And I don't know how, but when I looked through that door, it looked like our birthing area was doing this behind the door, you know, shaking, <laughs> shaking in a different way than I was over here. <laughs> I was right by the bathroom. I think I banked it off of the wall. That's enough description, I know. But I tell you what, you get in those storms and they knock you sideways. They knock you all over the place. And it's hard to keep your feet when all of that's going on. It's hard to stand on your own two feet when you're in a storm like that. But right here, verse number 48, and he saw them toiling and rowing. you may not see him right there in the boat with you. But Jesus sees what you're going through. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what storm you're going through, they belong to Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus Christ and he saw them toiling and rowing. And about the fourth watch of the night, and we're talking about two o'clock in the morning, we're talking about going there at dusk and keeping going all night long. he said about the fourth watch, and Miss Peggy, you're looking it up. If you got it, tell me what time it is. But it just know that they've been there all night, to- toiling and rowing. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. Now, isn't that interesting? you know, you got free choice all the way. There's times Jesus, there's help there and people don't see it because they're not looking for him. But I imagine those disciples knowing what Jesus could do, I imagine imagine they were looking for their Lord. Even though it didn't make any sense that he would be there. They look out there and they see a figure walking on the water and he's coming to them. Verse 49, But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. But they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. You know, when God shows up, when the angels show up, when any time that God manifests in some way to somebody in the Bible, when you're in God's presence, it's humbling. And we see, we see with John the Baptist's dad, when he saw the angel and he trembled, the angel said, be not afraid, be not afraid. We have a God that we don't have to be afraid of. Now, when Jesus showed up and they're out on the water, he showed up in the most unlikeliest of places and the unlikeliest time. There was no reason to expect that Jesus would show up out there. Yeah, he'd been in the boat before, but he wasn't. And they knew he was out there. They knew he was praying. But there they are in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in the middle of the night. So God answers prayer in his time. It may not seem. It may not be on your time. You're praying. We would want it to end right away. We wouldn't want to go through it. Jesus was teaching them something here as they're going through this storm. And there's lessons to be had in the storm. You know, we don't think about the time of bondage of the Israelites in Egypt, the prayers that must have been said, how many times they turned to the Lord when they were in bondage. Every whip that happened, every time... They were humiliated in front of, a, of a, one of Pharaoh's men. Every, every stone that they had to carry, every tear that they shed, every child that was taken away from them. We don't think about all of that, that storm and that trial that they went through for all those times. We look back with 2020 and say, yeah, that happened. We see a few verses, and it's like, yeah, that man, that was awful. That was going on. But we're not there for the tears. We're not there. We can see the the boat halfway under the pier, but we can't see them hanging on for dear life for those 400 years. The ten plagues before Pharaoh lets them go, and then they're cornered at the Red Sea before God delivers them. Abraham received the covenant at 75 years of age, but it wasn't until he was 100 that Isaac was born, 25 years before he received it. So, Jesus shows up at the most unlikeliest time in the most unlikeliest of places. Luke 18, and he spake a parable unto them, this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but after he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with them? Don't ever give up on prayer. It talks about importunity here. He said, I tell you what, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, the Son of Man come, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. So verse number 50, For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer it is I; be not afraid. And verse 51, And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. You know, they'd been in a storm before. They'd seen what Jesus did. They saw the miracle of the fishes and the loaves. They've seen the blind man receive his sight. They've seen the miracles that Jesus did. Yet here they are, in the midst of the sea, at the end of their own strength, exhausted. And they're amazed and wondered when he calms the storm and when he stops it. You know, we pray... And we ask for a thing. We ask God. We keep at him. Sometimes we're just amazed when he answers the prayer. We're just amazed at what happened, what Jesus can do. We're amazed at how he can solve the problem that we couldn't solve ourselves. I think he was teaching them something there. They'd gotten to the end of their own strength. I think they were, in what they call in weightlifting, negative resistance that's when you've lifted weight so much and you keep pushing until somebody just has to help you with that last bit because you're at the end of your strength and your arms are just trembling. I know you look at me and say, when did you work out? When I was in the Navy. I knew about it then. So you you go to pull on that row, or, and you don't feel like you're making progress. The wind's beating you and the water is just keeping you sprayed down and uncomfortable and everything just seems to be coming at you at once. And you're trying to pull on your own and those arms just feel like noodles. I think Peter, as big as he was, he was just reaching the end. I'll tell y'all another story for free. I'll try to edit it. My grandfather told me about my great-grandfather. You know, back in... My my grandfather's boat, it called Faith, but uh, you know, it had winches. You you wanted to lift the shrimp net out of the water, you'd wrap it around that bollard there as it spun. I think it's a bollard. You wrap it around it as it spun, and it's like it's, it's like pulling a feather out of the water. Maybe not that much, but you know, there's a lot of help with it. But back in the day when my great grandfather was shrimping. And he did some shrimp. And I don't know how much, but back when my great grandfather shrimp, it was just a regular boat. I think they might have rowed. It. They had a motor. On. They didn't row it, but they had a motor on. it. Matter of fact, they had, I think they had an Oldsmobile engine that he'd put into it. And you know, they had just put it together. And I guess it had the gas tank on top. You know, OSHA wasn't involved in this. They get out there on the water and some of that gas had leaked onto that hot manifold and caught fire. Now keep in mind when they put the nets out, they're pulling them in. You know, my grandfather when when I knew him, you know, there wasn't much of a physique. But you could tell the man had some, some physique before. It just kind of atrophied underneath, right? But they'd pull that net in. So they're out there on the water. And my grandfather said it was a leak in the tank, and that gas got on that hot manifold, and it flashed, and it ended up burning my great grandfather's arm. To tell you about my great grandfather. He he helped set up, and I don't know exactly how this worked out because the causeway back then is different than it is now. But he helped straighten that up. You know, he worked with the company that was piling. Piling the, uh, the poles, man, piling the poles for it, piling the beams. And uh, he also did salvage work too as a belldiver. My grandfather was telling me about working the boat, working the air for him, and he's down there and they dropped him down in the mud. They dropped a crane off the side of a barge, and he's down there and he couldn't see anything, but he's reaching around in that mud. I'm just telling you how tough my great grandfather was. And he's wrapping that cable around so they can pull that crane up out of the water, you know that they dropped in there. Well, they're out on that boat, and that flash fire catches his forearm there and burns him. you know and And my grandfather's name was Willie. still is really, but as they're out there, I, I don't think he said anything to him; He just did whatever his dad said. But as they're out there, his, his dad said, uh, my great-grandfather, he said, uh, well, Willie, let's just go ahead and we'll troll a little more. You know, We'll, we'll drag the net some more, and then we'll pull them in. And then as they're out there and they're pulling the nets around to catch shrimp, he said, Willie, we're going to have to pull these in. My arm's just hurting too bad. And that's the edited version. And with, those, with his arm burnt, he didn't cut the net and leave it there. He reached out there and pulled that net in. Now, if my great-grandfather is that tough, imagine what kind of man Peter was. Imagine what kind of men those other men were that could get on an oar and pull. And they've been pulling all night. And that wind's just blowing contrary to them, and they're out there. They're sitting there on the boat, and they're just pulling. And they're pulling. And they're all pulling together. And they're, they're seeing that land maybe over in the distance. Maybe they're getting a peek at it over those waves. And the waves come up, and they get, might get a little peek. I know it's behind them because they're pulling. But they can look over their shoulder, and they pull, and they pull. And they're pulling until 3 or 6 o'clock in the morning, somewhere around that. That's the fourth watch, 3 a.m. to 6. I had to note. And they're pulling on it all night. They left at dusk after the feeding of the 5,000, and they're pulling all night. And they get out there, and they're pulling. And those arms, I imagine they start to get tired. But they keep pulling because there's no sense staying where they are. They got to get where the master told them to go. The last word he gave them was to get to the other side. And they're doing all they can, all they know to do. And the winds are contrary to them. And they don't seem to be making any progress. But the master is watching them. Jesus is watching them. And he comes out on the water. And he makes it as if he's going to pass by. They see him out there. They don't have to call out to him. He would just pass on by if they didn't. But they see him. They see a spirit. and They're afraid. They call out. And he comes to them. He gets in the boat with them. And as tired as they are and he calms that storm and he says go ahead and get us to shore now there's no longer pulling against the wind no longer there by themselves now Jesus is in the boat with them imagine they got a second wind like no other they began to pull and they would talk to Jesus and he talked to them they're drying off now and as they're pulling in, they go to shore. Let me tell you something. You going through a storm, it may not seem like God cares. You going through something, you may not have heard but one word from him. You get out there and you're in his will. And that's something to point out too before I finish this up. You can be in God's will and still get in a storm. And I'll just segue here. This modern Christian and Christianity that tells you everything's going to be acorns and unicorns and everything's you know everything's going to be good when you get everything's going to be good. Everything's positive. Everything's positive. Let me tell you something. It's not always like that. And if that's all you're equipped with, that everything's positive, everything's positive, that's when you see God is when you got money. That's when you see God is when you got blessings. You won't see Him when He goes to pass by you in the storm. You're going to think he's not there. Let me tell you something. Regardless of whether you're going in the storm or not, Jesus sees you in that storm. It says, They marveled. They were amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. And then verse 52 says, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. You want to see Jesus in the storm? You want to understand how he's going to deliver you from the storm? You've got to soften your heart. Consider the miracles that he's performed before. The same God that delivered them out of Egypt, the same God that raised his son from the dead, is the same God that will deliver you from the storm. And I'll just close it up right here. If you'll stand.